The Awesome Toy Show is a premier pop culture event in Mississauga, Ontario. With a unique blend of vendors, artists, cosplay contests, hourly raffle prizes, and live entertainment, they provide an awesome show experience for everyone involved. Their event is also driven with a charitable cause as they partner with the Toronto Community Housing to gather toy donations and directly give back to those in need. Their next show is on Sunday, March 26th at the Small Arms Inspection Building in Mississauga, where there will be a giveaway for WrestleMania Hollywood. Also, their special featured guest that day will be a four-time Emmy Award-winning TV host, Chris Van Cleef. You will be doing an official meet and greet along with a Q&A session for everyone in attendance. In addition to that, they will have special featured guests from Impact Wrestling, current X Division Champion Trey Miguel, along with Aiden Prince doing meets and greets as well. You do not want to miss their next show, so go over to www.awesometoyshow.ca and follow their Instagram at The Awesome Toy Show for daily updates leading up to Sunday, March 26th, where we will be in-house SM&E, and it's guaranteed to be... Awesome! I came to I play! to play, there's a price to pay, time for you to get down on your knees, and welcome to the show it is thursday march 9th at 802 p.m eastern standard time and we are the godfathers of podcasting we have been broadcasting since before podcasting was even called podcasting we are live right now on the shuli network if you're joining us live get in the chat send us a message your questions whatever you want interact with us because that's all part of the fun And if you're not live in the chat, of course, this show will be available on all major podcast providers, including Spotify, Apple, Google, Amazon, SundayNightsMainEvent.com, and of course, right here on the Shuli Network. If you want to learn a little bit more about us, buy our merch, support us, donate a little, you can go to GodfathersOfPodcasting.com. My name is Donnie Silva, and it is my pleasure to introduce my brother from another mother, the ugliest man alive. A man who is thankful to be back in the great white north after a vacation that didn't go according to plan. This is Chris Tidwell. Uh, how are you doing, Donnie Silva? Yes, you are right about all of those things. I am very glad to be back. I'm glad to be alive, uh, mm. as some would say, uh, estas, mi hombre? Oh, look at you getting all Spanish on me. Nah, I've known those things for quite some time. Remember, I was, I'm from North Las Vegas, Nevada, my friend. No, There's I know. I know. A lot of Latinos up in that motherfucker. Tid, you know? Tid's the guy you want to go to when you go to a Mexican restaurant, like a legit Mexican restaurant, because Tid will order everything in Spanish that's good enough that the server knows not to fuck with him. Yeah, it's 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 a good thing to have. It's not the best. It's not like fast mainland, like tele you know, telenovelas. It's good enough. This is I like mean, lazy on the beach on an island speaking Spanish. You gotta work with me. You know what I mean? Your your Spanish combined with your physical makeup. No, let's let's hear this. Let's I <laughs> embellish on that one, would you? Is let's is enough that. to make people go, okay. He wants the chimichanga. Get him the chimichanga. Whatever you want. <laughs> Never in my life have I ever ordered a fucking chimichanga. What do you got against the chimichanga? It's it's a deep fried burrito, my friend. <laughs> and that's not a Spanish dish. It's not even a Mexican dish. So what the fuck happened, dude? Like we yeah. talked briefly sure. about this uh, last week. I I had the plague. I was sicker yeah. than hell. Um, and you were on a long planned vacation. Where you did something that most American-born people never do. You went to Cuba. Yeah, so I went to Cuba, uh, <laughs> and that turned into a bit of a a, a bit of a fiasco. Uh, once I got there, just getting into the country really was what it was. Uh, we get to the air, like book the flight, everything like that, fill out the paperwork. You got to fill out this form online now instead of writing out the form that they used to give you on the airplane. And then when you get to the airport that's where you go through customs down there 
and everybody waits and there's just like back to back cubicles and you can't really see who's in the next one or anything like that. You know what I mean? And you wait in this line, the person in front of you, they do their thing and then they push the button out the door. They go into the rest of the airport. So obviously me being the American in the group of four that I went with, I said, I'm going to go last because I feel like this is going to be a minute. Sure enough, I walk up to the counter, I slide her my very beautiful, lovely American passport with my uh, visa thing that I filled out on the plane. Great. She grabs it. She looks down at it. She lifts her head up, looks up at me, gets up and leaves. With your passport? With, with my passport. Like she opens the door and it goes, I can, she, I can still see her. You know what I mean? She didn't like walk out or anything like that. She goes and she starts calling for a supervisor because they've got an American. And then they start asking me all of these questions, starting with, because they go through my passport. Mm -hmm. And my passport is completely empty because I got it during COVID. I haven't gone anywhere. Now, also, I haven't signed it yet either. Um, And look (laughs) And looking the way that I do, they start asking the questions. Where are you from? How long are you going to be here? What do you do for a living? Where are you going to? All of these questions, right? And I answer all of these questions. Supervisor comes, asks me the same exact questions. At this point, everybody can see down the hallway, you know, the little thing, and everybody's kind of tilted to one side or the other going like, you know, what the fuck is going on down there? Sure. Finally, after 45 minutes of answering the same questions, same five questions to three different people, they let me through out into the airport area. I go, Kelly is standing there, my wife, with my bags already. Then you've got to go. It's kind of backwards. Then you've got to go through the detector with your carry on bag, which is the backpack. They put that through. They're like, you need to take this bag over to this other table. I go over to this other table because I've got some medications in there and stuff. They start going through everything, right? Understandable. She rips the whole bag apart. 20 minutes there, she's reading all the labels, blah, 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 asking me these questions. They put that down. Then I'm finally done there. I can see the doorway. Got the bags. We're going for it. 10 feet in front of the door, this little skinny mask on, like 16-year-old, excuse me, sir, can I talk to you? Cuts in front of me and says, excuse me, sir, can you come over here with me? I need to ask you some questions. I'm like, oh, my goodness. All right. So I walk over to him. He grabs my passport. Same thing. He pulls out of his pocket a napkin, basically a napkin, and starts writing down, asking me these questions. Give you two guesses what questions you asked me. That's right. The same ones that I already answered with the caveat of one other question. And this is when the other guy with the drug dog comes along sniffing around my bag. And I'm looking at it going, you're not going to hit. That's not going to hit ever. I am not (laughs) that guy. Never am I going to be that guy. Right. Uh And he asks me the question. He goes, do you do drugs? All of them. And I said, uh, yeah. And he goes, when was the last time you did drugs? How many out or how many years ago? And I looked years. I looked him dead in his eye. And I said, uh, I looked down at my wrist. And I go about seven hours ago. It's legal back there. And I got high as balls before I came down here because I didn't want to get on a plane. How about that? He kind Maybe of too honest. Maybe too honest. Kind of chuckles a little bit with it. Right, took another couple things down, hands me my passport. Then I could go into the country. These motherfuckers. That's the whole story? I was sitting here on bated breath waiting for a cavity search. That's it? You wouldn't get that. Oh, man. I was clearly profiled, Donnie. This is what I'm saying. I was profiled as fuck. Yeah, no kidding. You profiled yourself. You went in there with a sour fucking face, more sour than your normal resting face, because you didn't want to be in Cuba. Wearing jeans and a hoodie, nice and covered up. You don't wear long pants. I do. You can't trick me. (laughs) I wear shorts no matter what the temperature is. I mean, I'm wearing shorts now, but that's regardless. Yeah. So Cuba, hot as hell. The people are lovely. Um, I will probably never, ever go again. Oh, we just got a couple pop-ups on the screen. Um, Just as bad. 
just got a couple pop-ups on the screen for a couple of people that just joined and uh, became YouTube members. We are 138 and Bad Beef, which is also Tid's porn name. Awesome. Um, so now that we've moved on, uh, I'm assuming you're not going back to Cuba anytime soon. Yes. No, Siempre Mexico all the time from now on. That's it. All right. I got you. Um, so this past week, lots of stuff was going on. We're going to get to our featured guest uh, in a little while, but um some stuff that was going on this past week tid while you were away mm -hmm. there was maybe the most anticipated fight of the year so far of several years yep. uh johnny bones jones coming back from his self-imposed mm, organization imposed <laughs> hiatus of three years away from the sport and he leaves the light heavyweight division finally does what people have been wanting him to do for the last decade, moves up to the heavyweight division to fight Cyril Ghosn for the vacant heavyweight championship. There were a lot of people that were betting on Cyril Ghosn and Johnny Bones Jones went in there and had the fastest championship win of his career. It was like two and a half minutes. Uh, Joe, do you have the video there? Producer Joe? Johnny Bones Jones beating Cyril Ghosn this past Saturday. UFC 258, I think it was. Yeah, let's take a look at this. Because this was unreal. We can skip ahead a little here, Joe. Yeah, I also muted it just because of that music they were playing. All good. You can mute it, and let's just bring it forward to where they're actually touching up each other. Let's go a little more. And we can go about another minute in. We can't go too far because the whole fight's about to be over. Um, so you can see here, man, they're just, you know, they're playing around. Bones Jones doesn't take a shot. Like the fight starts with Cyril accidentally, quote unquote, kicking him in the nuts. And then after that, it's just John measuring, measuring, measuring. And now if we see here, he gets a hold of him. And this is the beginning of the end right here, folks. It looks innocent. Cyril Ghosn looks like he's not even stressing right now. Johnny takes his back. And now it's just like, what, what's going on? You see here, he takes him down and he just leans on him. And right here, let's pause for a sec, Joe. Right here, this blew my mind, Tid, when I was watching this. I thought, Cyril, he's not in trouble. He's fine. Because you see that Johnny Bones Jones has got that guillotine choke. And look at Cyril Gon's hands. He's not doing anything. He's not trying to fight. He's not trying to escape. He's not trying to grab for Bones Jones' hands. He's just kind of chilling. And then all of a sudden, let it play. He just puts on the big squeeze. And it's like, oh, wait a minute. Oh, did we did we fast forward there or something? I don't know what happened. Or is this he readjusts? Yeah. Right there. Boom. Yeah. It's like it went from completely benign, completely innocuous, and then good night. Yeah. No, it's <laughs> just I, like that. It, I, I love how little you know about positioning in wrestling. It it it's lovely. Um, what are you talking about? Dude, that is all about positioning. That he had no ability, the ability How to did I not say otherwise. First, the, the ability when you said he doesn't have the ability to use his hands or anything like that, that's because he couldn't get them anywhere. If you look at the positioning where his knee is and how he slips under, and Bones Jones doesn't, he's not using the front of his forearm, he's using the side of his forearm. It's a slick wrestling move. Hundred percent. He, he had. Hold on. It's a slick wrestling move that he was using in training. And if you saw the video of it, him and Henry Cejudo actually went over this exact positioning to position to position. And it's pretty much key on right before that they uh, went into this fight. This is something that was trained. This yeah. is something, this was maneuvering that was absolutely trained. So it's about body control before trying to go for something heavy and lose your position. And that's exactly what he did. He went for control first. His coaches commented after the fight and talked about how they wanted him to hand fight from that position. They were screaming at him from the corner and he didn't think, and he said, I didn't think I was in trouble. 
Yeah, I thought I was so fine. You're so much easier said than done when you're in that position, man, because you don't know. John Jones is the greatest fighter of all time. He's going to go down as the greatest fighter, not the greatest light heavyweight, not even the greatest heavyweight. He's going to go down as the greatest fighter of all time. Period. The only thing that that the only thing that you can hold on to at this point is the fact that he is such a piece of shit outside the cage. That dude. You have to be able to be able to separate the art, art, right? I guess. Right. When was the last time you listened to some R. Kelly? Speaking of piece of shit, someone in the chat said he sounds exactly like Chris Benoit. I don't know if they're talking about me or you, but I don't think either one of us sounds like Chris Benoit speaking of pieces of shit. Yeah. I, just saying. Uh, I hope it's you. I'm not monotone, so I don't I, think it's me. I meant the current. Oh, thank you. um no (laughs) we both we both knew chris benoit back in the day but uh anyway moving on um what i did not get to see this past week when it happened was netflix did their first ever live broadcast and it was the chris rock comedy special selective outrage i didn't see it because it was happening at the same time as the john's john bones jones fight so i watched it afterwards holy shit chris rock man he doesn't miss. He doesn't miss. This guy came for blood. Did you think so? I mean, I thought I thought his set was I thought his set was good, but I also thought that he's talking about a lot of stuff that is very topical. A lot of comedians are doing the same kind of stuff right now, just a little bit of twist on it. Other than the the Will Smith stuff, you know what I mean? I, he I, made I, abortion jokes. What are you talking about? <laughs> like he went totally in on everybody. He's like, he starts by saying, I'm going to try not to offend every, anyone tonight. And then he offended everyone. I'm not saying it's not I loved good. It. I'm saying it's not his best work. Dear Lord. All right. That is the best special I've seen in a long time, man. From start to finish. You should you watch know? specials. I watch everything. I watch everything. If you haven't seen it, go check out Chris Rock's new special, Selective Outrage. Um, what is this story with Pete Davidson? Pete da- First of all, Pete Davidson is is Hilarious. a total conundrum to me. Can we throw <laughs> up a picture of Pete up on the screen? Yeah. I mean, we all know what Pete Davidson looks like at this point. But look at this guy. Look at this hobbit. <laughs> this, no, this is the hottest bachelor. Is it me? You guys got the same grill. Look at this thing. If you if were to shave, shave, if you were to shave, you're Pete Davidson. I'm that ugly, eh? Well, I mean, Damn. okay, so continue with your story now. All right. <laughs> well, you know what? Pete Davidson, dude, this guy, he has got the magic stroke because charismatic. He, first of all, he lands every hot girl that he was just dating Emily Ratajowski. That ended after two months. Um, and now he's dating, uh, chase wonder. And apparently they were in a high speed car accident. Was it yesterday? Uh, a couple days ago or something. A couple like days that. ago. Here's my guess. My guess is he was getting speculation, getting a little bit of maybe some, uh, road work done and, <laughs> uh, went a little crazy, hit a speed bump and uh, car got out of control and boop into a yard and into a side of a house and they went. Are you suggesting his girlfriend was polishing his uh, his business? I mean, I'm, hope, I'm hoping. I'm not suggesting. I'm hoping for him. Mm. That's what it was because that's a fucking rad story. <laughs> Apparently, he was doing high speed in a residential area. If Pete Davidson and yeah. hits a speed bump and that thing goes through the back of her head, she's <laughs> turned her into a kebab. They might crash. I'm just, they might <laughs> crash. Apparently they were doing high speed. He took out a fire hydrant, slammed into the side of a house. There was a 16 year old girl that was alone in the house. Um, apparently Pete didn't start dating her, but she did complain that it felt like an earthquake had just hit. Cause that's how crazy the, uh, the impact was. The police confirmed there was no drugs or alcohol involved, which does kind of lead to Tid's roadhead story, which kind of brings up a bigger question. Do you not think roadhead is overrated? I mean, like if you're going to get head, like good head, don't you want to like relax and chill and but that's have not your partner be in a position where they can be at their best? You're looking for 
not looking for a good head. You're looking for roadhead. There's a difference. But I'm saying it's overrated. Like when you're a teenager, roadhead's great because you don't have a place to go. You're an adult oh, yeah. and you have a home. Uh-huh. Roadhead's kind of overrated. Uh, you're, well, you're getting the wrong ones then. <laughs> I'm not seeking it out. I'm just being honest with you. All right. Try getting on the other end of it. <laughs> you want me to be the giver? Oh, I thought that was the problem before. Oh, that's I, why on our last road trip, oh. you were punching the shit out of me. Yeah. I was you were like, looking hey, for a favor. Yeah, exactly. Fucking roadhead. Asshole. <laughs> I, I want to hear in the chat if anyone out there thinks Roadhead is overrated. Is it just me? I don't know. Producer Joe, what do you think? Roadhead. Is it great or is it overrated? I'm actually on your side with this, Donnie. Like, yeah, it was great as a teenager, but um, it's not the most, um, what are you, relaxing thing to be driving. And yeah. I'm just dodging fire hydrants like Pete Davidson. I don't need that shit. And now we find out really what's going on in the Pete Davidson story. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. Um, another story that has been all over the place this past week. Uh, if you're not a sports fan or an NBA fan, you may not be familiar with this story, but I think it's kind of everywhere right now. John Morant, uh, he's a Memphis Grizzlies player and one of the top young stars in the NBA. John Morant has got a problem, dude. This dude loves to party and get fucked up when he's on the road with the team. And he loves his guns. He loves his guns. And he went and decided to post this on his uh, Instagram live on Saturday night. Look at this. He's at a strip club. He's, he's getting his, his happy on. And he just decides to pull out his gun and be like, Yo, everybody, <laughs> look at me. There are so many problems with this. Yeah, it's poorly lit. That Well, it's a strip club. But on top of that, this was in Colorado, in Denver, okay? They were playing the, the Denver Nuggets. His, his team is in Memphis. Where did the gun come from? You know you're not going to another state and buying a gun. And there was a police investigation that was done. They confirmed he did not buy a gun in Colorado. That means he brought the gun with him. The collective bargaining agreement in the NBA has a real simple, straight rule. They may as well call it the Gilbert Arenas rule. It says you can't have a fucking gun on you when you're at a team facility, traveling with the team, on a team uh, vehicle of any sort. You can't do it. It's an automatic league-imposed 50 game suspension 50 games was it his gun it, you know what they're they're looking into it but the thing is it doesn't really matter whose it is someone brought it on the team plane you know and he or, had it up in the air or it was somebody else at the club and he was like yeah let me see that thing it starts taking some pictures I don't know, dude. I, I think it's a no. little wacky. The bigger picture is that if it is a breakdown of him, listen, it's no secret. I mean, look, we saw the other story as well, right? Basketball players and guns, apparently. Sean Kemp just got arrested uh, for a uh, drive-by, literally. You know what I mean? Where he, in a parking lot, opened fire on somebody else. Like, guns is wacky, man. And listen. They I got a serious got, maturity already, problem on that team, dude. I already got heat with John Morant because he cost me a few bucks on some parlays earlier on. You know what I mean? But <laughs> earlier that day, the same day he shot that Instagram live video, the oldest player on his team, which is their veteran Stephen Adams, 29 years old. They're one of the only teams that doesn't have a guy over 30. Um, Stephen Adams addressed the team in a private meeting and said, guys, enough of this bullshit partying on the road, acting like fucking idiots. We've got one of the worst road records in the league because we're all fucked up after partying and going crazy. Let's behave ourselves. Everyone knew he wasn't talking to the team. He was talking to Ja. Everyone knew. And what does Ja do? He goes out and fucking does that. Like, as far as I'm concerned, this dude earned his 50-game suspension. You think he's, you think he's looking for a vacation? No. I think he, he put out a, a, a press release, you know, very uh, sanitized apology. 
But like, dude, you are not about that. This is a suburban kid trying to act like a gangster. He's not a gangster. You know, it's like, dude, stop trying to be that guy. You're not that guy. Be a nice, sweet kid, Demetrius. Maybe he's not that guy. That's his real name, Demetrius. It's not sure. Uh, oh, really? Really? It's not Ja. Really? <laughs> Demetrius. And <laughs> maybe he is about that life. And people are just This kid's a gangster. His real name's Clarence. <laughs> Clarence's parents have a real good marriage. Remember when Aaron Hernandez wasn't about that life and then everybody found out what life he was really about? You never fooled me with Aaron Hernandez. I knew that guy was up to shit from Jump Street. That dude was troubled. Troubled. Happens all the uh, time. Speaking of gun problems in the NBA, uh, Seattle Supersonics legend Sean Kemp was arrested in Tacoma, Washington this week uh, after a drive-by shooting. Now, according to Kemp, this is the story, Tid. He says someone broke into his car the day before and stole his cell phone. So he got up on his computer, tracked the cell phone to a parking lot in Tacoma the next day, and he found the guy that had his phone. And he pulled up to him and started talking to him like, hey, you stole my fucking phone. And apparently the guy responded by doing his best John Morant impression, pulled out his gun and started shooting. And Sean Kemp claims that in self-defense, he started shooting back. Now these guys, like they're at point blank range and nobody's dead. <laughs> so like they aim like stormtroopers. What the and fuck? And Sean Kemp ain't a small dude. It, no. it ain't like trying to shoot at a small target or anything like that. You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, you look more normal when you're in a car. I can vouch for that because, you know, me, at my height. If, you look at the, if you look at the video or the pictures that they've got from it, he's like above the car, like standing through a sunroof or something like that. And then he yeah, throws someone... and then he throws the throws the whole thing in the in the bushes uh, uh, before talking to the cops. Did he think that somebody wasn't going to find his gun in the bushes? Someone in the uh, chat is saying he's already been released. No charges laid. Um, you know what? Here's the thing, too. Yeah, there you go. Bone loads. Um, one, one thing that you see in this whole story that sort of weighs in his favor of Sean Kemp is he stayed at the scene of the crime. The other guy fucking bailed. So Yeah, yeah that's what I just got done saying is yeah. that he threw his gun in the bushes and then went and got the cops. Right. Right. But, but thinking that they weren't gonna, he was gonna be able to come back for his gun later in the bushes. It's not a six pack kid. Like, I don't, what do you think you're getting rid of? There's cameras out at this point watching gunfire because they're hoping <laughs> to get somebody shot and nobody's getting shot. So of course they're gonna be like, "Yo, guns in the bushes, cop." That's what happened. Guns in the bushes. Right. It's gonna be the name of John Morant's next single. Guns in the bushes because I'm not allowed to take it on the plane. It's going to be his next hit. Wow. Wow. <laughs> I believe right now uh, our guest is sitting backstage. So, Joe, why don't we go ahead and bring her in? Because right now it's time for the big hello. This week's guest is a native New Yorker who started putting out music way back in 1994. You know, back when white and rapper were words that didn't get said in the same sentence unless they were a, there was a punchline at the end. And white female <laughs> rapper was just not a thing at all. Her first release was a song called I'm White, and it came out on a <laughs> compilation. They got That got her some buzz and helped lead the way to her debut album, Strictly Platinum, that didn't quite go platinum. In 97, she launched her own label before putting out her next album, Last of the Great 20th Century Composers, which led to her working with one of my faves, Cool Keith. Her next album in 2001 is where things went fucking bananas. She had a couple of singles that went nuclear on the charts, Perfect and my favorite, Bad Babysitter. She was also <laughs> featured on the track Licky, which was in the 2008 Russell Brand film, back when Russell Brand wasn't completely insufferable. That was getting to the Greek. In 09, an absolute legend featured her on his album, The Great Grandmaster Flash. She was a featured performer alongside other hip-hop icons like Snoop Dogg and Busta Rhymes. She continues to put out new music on the regular, including her 2021 track titled Getting Older, Pussy Still Poppin', and another one she just released called <laughs> Who Am I Now? Of course, her fans already feel like they know who the fuck she is, because she's gone and put herself all over the place on her own reality show. Ladies and gentlemen, grab a bottle of Henny from your home 
bar, sit back and light your fave cigar. Get to know this woman who's fucking bizarre. She DJs and raps and even plays the guitar. She loves fat pickles from the pickle jar. She's American made, not from Qatar. License says Conchetta, but don't go that far. Give it up to the one and only Princess Superstar. Whoop, whoop, whoop. Oh, man, that's got to be the best intro I've ever had. <laughs> <laughs> How you doing? I'm good. I'm just sitting here in my closet. <laughs> Are you coming out of it anytime soon, Princess Superstar? No, no, I'm happily married, happily married. <laughs> like, this I even a have trip. a disco ball like oh look at you that's a party <laughs> closet i like the humble flex of the chanel bag just kind of slightly poking in the camera oh, yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> don't mind flex. me don't mind me <laughs> <laughs> i gotta tell you back in 2001 i was working in radio and i used to get in shit late at night when i would play bad babysitter and <laughs> it i yeah. absolutely dug that track like it was so different it was so unique it was so filthy and yeah. everything about it was like wait a minute who is this woman this is crazy <laughs> and i had a couple friends of mine and they all loved you it was insane so Amazing. when we reached out to you recently and said we got to get you on the show i was like i was like a little kid i was like oh shit we got ourselves princess superstar Oh, I love that. I love that so much. Yeah, it's so funny. Like I was on TikTok and somebody commented that like Bad Babysitter was the WAP of their generation, you know? 100%. That's a great comparison. Or WAP, WAP, not WAP. That's something different. I'm WAP too. I'm a <laughs> Jewish WAP. WAP. Yeah, yeah, WAP. <laughs> but yeah, it's been amazing. I mean, like, can you believe that song came out like 22 years ago? Like I can't, you know? It's like, it's oh, that's why I had to write the getting older song you know because it's like i'm getting older but i ain't gonna stop i'm getting older but the pussy pussy still pop <laughs> 2007 no i was? just read that recently bad babysitter was uh 2001 so we're talking yeah. 22 oh. years ago wow we're so old dude. dude we're old <laughs> listen i was seven working at that radio station so go okay. fuck <laughs> yeah and speaking of wow. that uh, same thing like on the tiktok people are like i was singing that at eight nine ten mm. years old bad babysitter and i'm like oh it's my god i'm a mom you know it's like i i can't even i'm just like oh my god i'm sorry <laughs> how, old, how old is your kid she's 11 does she sing it? No, 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 <laughs> definitely not. No. <laughs> I mean, that's the weird part, right? Cause now you've gone full circle. You went from being this super edgy, hypersexual performer yeah. that is now a mom and you're now safeguarding your kid from all this shit. Yeah. And it's funny. Cause when I wrote the pussy still pop song, like I was really mm -hmm. trying to like, you know, shelter her from that. But then like, you know, before she, I'm like cooking dinner, she's like, pussy stale pop, pussy, pussy <laughs> stale pop. I'm like, stop, stop. <laughs> but you know, kids these days anyway, they're just so like, they know everything already. Like, it's not like in our generation, I feel like, you know, like kids kind of know everything. <laughs> Joe, can we play a little bit? Um, we can we can pull the audio down, but I just want to play a little bit of uh, Bad Babysitter. I just want to pull up the visuals up on the screen for a second. Yeah, give me just a second. I want to get Conchetta here to respond to this because when I watch this video, man, I have a visceral reaction. It takes me back to that time. And I'm wondering when you look back at it, like what are the feelings? What are the emotions? What are the, the stories of putting that video together that flash to your mind? Well, I mean, first of all, I'm just like, oh, like so sweet, you know, almost like it's like such a young version of me, you know, but I remember how excited I was to shoot that video. And um, I remember it's particularly exciting because I got Mark the 45 King to play one of my boyfriends in the shower. So Mark right. the 45 King, you know, produced like Hard Knock Life for Jay-Z and um, Let Me Clear My Throat. Da -da -da -da. Oh. I mean, he was like a legend, you know, so I got him. He did a remix for me and I was like, will you be in my 
my video and be like my boyfriend. So I remember that. And I remember also like the little kid, he was an actor and I was like, oh my God, am I scarring him for life? But we made it really fun on set and like, you know, kind of like as tame as we could when the little boy was around. But this shit would never fly today. That's what I want to say. It, it absolutely wouldn't. And I mean, if, if y'all are out there and you're not familiar with this track, cause it is like 20 something years old, go check it out. It is on YouTube. That's where we're streaming it from right now. Um, but like, look at you, you're such a fresh faced baby right there. <laughs> I know. Look at you. I mean, come on, I'm 52 right now. <laughs> I mean, like, look at you. This is crazy to me. Yeah. You got them sneaking in. Now yeah. you got a couple boyfriends in this video. I mean, come yeah, on. yeah. There's a really funny guy too. I know I had a few boyfriends. <laughs> That's uh, this, Mr. Eon it, from been, High and Mighty. Has it been tough? And, and, and I mean, just trying to stay busy. You know what I mean? Like, because you're putting yeah. out a lot, of, still putting out a lot of stuff, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and, and still trying to stay super busy and navigate being a parent now. All of a sudden is yeah. it, you know like obviously you look back at your resume for what you were doing then and you were like bang 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 just stuff was just coming out like a popcorn machine you know yeah. what i mean and so you must have been like travel must have been ridiculous yeah there right? was a good period there of like 15 years where i was touring nonstop, and i swear to god that will like kill you i mean seriously mm. it just like very difficult to like maintain relationships or anything and you know so i basically stopped like when i had a baby i just stopped touring and um so now i just like put out things here and there you know like very kind of more chill you know and there were years i didn't put out anything at all so yeah i want to you know, ask i'm you not super famous or anything so it's like i don't know it's like more you know i've just maintained my nice little under the radar career you know and and i get to do what i want to do super famous no but to those that are familiar with your shit you're the shit Aww. you know like people who know you adore you i had um we had put your your uh, photo up on instagram this week announcing you were going to be on the show and i can't tell you how many women contacted me women in their 30s and 40s and said oh my god when i was younger i used to want to be her like so many people it was crazy but totally. i gotta ask you this women in music it doesn't really matter what the genre is they get hypersexualized, even if they're not putting it out there right yeah. and whether yeah. that's by fans or whether that's by agents or whether that's by fellow musicians and there is not a female musician anywhere that doesn't have a story that's borderline or right out there, uh, like a whole me too thing. You know what I mean? So yeah. when you are literally putting yourself out there, I mean, obviously your lyrics don't mean, Hey, I'm really going to like, you know, hook up with someone in, in someone else's house and do all this shit. Like your lyrics are your lyrics, but did you get, weird creepy interactions from fans or other musicians or people you're touring with or whatever because they just figure princess superstar she's down yeah i mean like it, it's really not been that bad i i think i have to say i think because the way that i always owned it like and i always mixed humor with the sexuality that i right. think that it just sort of like I don't know. There's something to that. Do you know what I mean? Like with when comedy meets sexuality. So I think that it, it hasn't been too crazy because more just people like love what I do. But of course, there have been like crazy fans that are just like asking weird things. And everybody's asking like, oh, do you have an OnlyFans and all that? And I was like, no, but like in 30 years, I'll have an OnlyGrams. I'll be a granny and you can come to my OnlyGrams. <laughs> You get a lot of those requests to open up an OnlyFans. Does that happen a lot? Um, it happens. It happens. Yeah, I'm not gonna do it because I'm just like, <laughs> no. I, I, you know, if it had been around maybe 30 years ago. <laughs> so I gotta admit, I gotta admit, I went down a bit of a a bit of a rabbit hole the past couple of days uh, watching some videos, and you really have a fantastic way. I see of using like you just said the comedic tone in what you're trying to get across right um 
was that something that just kind of like was always in the plan for it or was it just one of you know what i mean was there one thing that came to you because i'm telling you straight up i watched that video with that you did with margaret cho and oh, yeah. i i laughed my ass off it's hilarious it's hilarious amazing. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I always, I always just gravitated towards humor. You know, it's, it's really funny, like in the 90s, when I was like, I really want to be a rapper. I was just like, you know, like, what was I listening to? I was listening to like, Lil Kim and, and Biggie Smalls and, um and Tribe Called Quest and, and that and that kind of thing. And Lil Kim was so funny. That's what people don't remember. But she was like, you know, molasses out my asses, you know, lick the molasses out my asses you know I mean she's so funny and and sexual obviously but like but she was so funny and and I just gravitated toward comedy right away and I thought like that's so fun what a fun thing to do you know it's like and also like lighten it up a little bit too like you know so so you developed a friendship with Amy Schumer right yeah yeah I got to be on her show on Comedy Central which was really amazing so did she steal any of your lyrics and turn them into jokes? No, no. But, but I heard that she's, you know, that's kind of her thing. Oh, to steal. I heard that. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Like she never did anything nasty to me or anything. She used to play bad babysitter before she went on stage. I remember that. Mm. Cool chick to hang out with though. Yeah. Super cool. So funny. I mean, you know, I got to tell you guys, like I was sitting on the set and there was Jermaine Clement. He, you know, from uh, love him. Yeah. Genius. Genius. Flight of of the Concords, you know, all that amazing. And him and her and they were like they needed an extra like part to like improv or whatever. And they were just going at it. And I was like, ah. And then I was just like, no, I'm not going to say, I'm not even going to join into this banter because they were just like, you know, professional comedians, like so amazing. So I just think she's incredible. And yeah, it was really fun being on her show. Please tell me you had a romantic liaison with Jermaine Clement, please. No. Even Even just lie to me, just lie to me. But I totally was like fangirling out, like completely. I was like, hi. And he didn't know who I was. But I was just like, hi, I'm a princess superstar. I'm a big fan. Because <laughs> ba- Bad Babysitter didn't make it to New Zealand. It did, funnily enough, but I guess it missed him. But... <laughs> it missed him. <laughs> yeah. He, he was too busy listening to folk comedy or whatever it is that he does. Um, oh, my God. It's so cool. I, I swear. Um, so what is the inspiration now when it comes to making music? You know, because... Yeah. You see a lot of times people that are like you and have a level of success. And then they, like you said, go away for a little while. And then they say, you know what? I, I still got the itch. I still got some yeah. shit in me. And a lot of times people want to either completely reinvent themselves or hammer their brand hard. It feels like you're still on the princess superstar brand pretty hard. What's the motivation now? You, you don't sound like you really want to tour. Um, yeah. What is it? Is it just to keep your name out there what, what is it that drives you to keep making new music it's really just like i can't stop like i don't know what to tell you other than like it's just music is like who i am like it always mm. has been and like i think i would die if i didn't do it now at the same time i do sometimes get writer's block as well so it's just this really painful <laughs> that's pretty painful I got it. It's called Ridiculous Songs I Made While Having Writer's Block. So I decided to like go do songs about like all these horrible big box stores that I shop at, you know, because I'm a mom. So I did one called Costco Ho. And there's one called I'm going to make a craft about like going to Michael's, you know, craft store. (laughs) And then there's one called Home Goods. And so like I started just making all these songs about what I do like as a mom. So um, but like making it like about hip hop, you know, all the all the while. (laughs) You went from bad babysitter to dirty mama. Yeah, basically MILF. Yeah. (laughs) That's I mean, does your husband have any kind of reaction to that? Cause I know now you're a happily married woman. 
Yeah. Well, he's, he just thinks I'm hilarious. I mean, he's like this funny, like Latino guy. And I kind of consider us like uh, Ricky and Lucy, you know how like Ricky is always like amused at like Lucy doing stupid shit. Like that's basically my husband. Is he legal? <laughs> and like getting mad at her. Is he legal? <laughs> <laughs> no comment. I can read it. He is I can now. Read it. I can read it. <laughs> <laughs> barely legal <laughs> remember that Democratic <laughs> paperwork that's all I'm I mentioned yeah. your uh the song that you were featured on being in that movie get him to the Greek were you a part of that filming at all or did they just take your music and, and throw it in there no I wasn't part of it but I was so psyched when I when I saw that yeah it was in uh Get him to the Greek that year, and also that other movie, Hall Pass with Owen Wilson. Oh, that was yeah, another yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I forgot yeah. all about that. Um, yeah, that's uh that's pretty cool. I mean, that's gotta be a good chunk of change, right? Like when you get licensed yeah. like that and, and thrown into a movie and and you're still making residuals off that, I'm guessing, right? Yeah, so you don't you know, you don't make residuals off like when it's in a movie, sadly, that that much, but um but you really? know no no because we had get... um we had dc glenn on the show from tag team and he was telling mm -hmm. us about the song whoop there it is and how every mm -hmm. christmas season he makes about 600 grand because of elf oh okay this well i better talk us. to my business manager <laughs> <laughs> we asked well... him he said we said, hey, Glenn, how come you don't make any new music? He's like, why would I? I'm oh still making money God. off that one song. I mean, but that, what a song, what a song. That's a legacy, that song. Well, yeah, I mean, I guess maybe I do make some money, but it's not whoop, there it is money. You know what I mean? It's like pennies probably compared. <laughs> but no, but I do make agent. like, there's, there's, uh, you know, this, this one song I did perfect. That one pretty much pays me like a lot of money. And it's so funny because you can make like hundreds of songs and they could be various popularity and whatever. But this one song, perfect exceeder, it was like my hip hop song, perfect. And somebody put it on a dance track called exceeder. Boom, mm -hmm. it blew up to like number three on the UK charts. That one song really like pays me almost everything I make today. Like it's crazy. You, you talk about the UK charts in those days. And I wanted to ask about that because your music is very, it, it, it has that UK hip hop house music, electronic, that was huge popular at the time, right? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. The early what? What drove you to that direction? Because you weren't doing that here in, you know what I mean, in, in your early, early days when you were doing other Straight stuff. Straight hip-hop, so yeah. Yeah, right? Like what I made know. you go, oh, yeah, I need to add this unsa, unsa, unsa stuff. Yeah, so great question because I was really like into just kind of like straight hip hop but what was happening in in Europe and the UK um, around 2001 is like this birth of like electro clash it was called and so it was like you know you you had hip hop mixing with like peaches and and things like that so it was just like all, all this electronic music with hip hop and um, it was just more fun the crowd was more fun whereas i was doing these like backpacker hip-hop shows and the men were just like this and i would come out in like my pink frilly things and like you know be singing and stuff and i was just like and, and the dudes were just like this and like i don't know it was no fun and then you had this like electronic music scene that loved hip-hop but they also loved dance music and i was like i want to do i want to be in that scene like they're so much more fun you know they're not just like you know, looking at me like this or judging me or whatever, you know? So, yeah. <laughs> That's because probably all the hip hop shows, all the hip hop shows, everybody was just high and all the, yeah. the European yeah. shows, everybody was on ecstasy. Yeah, well, yeah, that's true. And also, like, I gotta say too, like the 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 dudes that really judged me were the white dudes too. Like, it was never the black dudes. The black dudes were like, "Yo, dude, this is fucking amazing." And the white dudes, I remember there was like a dude in like a white a Wu Tang shirt. He was a white dude, and he threw a beer bottle at me. Like, he was like, "You shouldn't rap." <laughs> like that would that regularly happened to me. I mean, he could have just said it. He didn't have to be so like. <laughs> I know. Violent. Like, why'd you do that dude uh, i was it was empty 
<laughs> yeah, Chris, what the hell? <laughs> um, one thing I like about your new stuff um, is I feel like musically it it feels familiar to me, right? Like the lyrics are all new, the vibe is new, but it feels quintessentially Princess Superstar. And I like the fact that it has a bit of like an old school vibe to it musically. And the main reason I say that is I am a huge hip hop head, but I'm an 80s, 90s hip hop head. I don't mm -hmm. like today's hip hop. And I know I sound like an old man yelling at clouds when I say that, <laughs> but I just don't, like to me, it's like Talib Kweli and and Tupac and Gangstar and you know like uh uh shit you know Eric B and Rakim Tal you know Talib Kweli that's my shit right twice? and when yeah. I listen to the stuff today did I say him twice yeah that's, um, that's a lot of love I'm having I'm having beers that's because he's so when, great <laughs> I love him that much okay most deaf I'll throw another one in there um yeah that's my shit and when I listen to today's yeah. hip hop I'm just like. Like, I don't like mumble rap. I think it's bullshit. Mm, I don't like this yeah. super engineered bullshit. I went a couple years ago to a rap battle and the whole thing was written, written. Oh, and I'm like, what am I attending right now? This is no. the biggest waste. What has happened to hip hop? And I love the fact that your shit feels authentic to your brand in terms of the music is that a conscious decision and do you have that same struggle with like the hip-hop yeah. that's coming out right now a hundred percent a hundred percent I think when you come up like loving hip-hop from the 90s like there's no way that you can like be like I'm just like what is the baby doing like why I I don't like it I don't like it but at the same time at the same time, you were around in New York in what, like 2000, what was it, six, 2007? And they yeah. had that show called The White Rapper Show. You remember oh. this? With MC Search was the host. The guy from Third Base was the host. I think it was, uh, I forget the. Oh. Um, it was called The that's White Rapper Show. Cut, How'd you Dude, pull that I'm out of your ass? Wow. Yeah, that's a deep cut. That's how, that's how I watched it. And that's some, that was like some the White Rapper Show. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, if you get a chance to go back, watch it. There you go. See? Yeah, that was producers VH1. telling us. That was on VH1, yeah. Oh, my it was God. done for Trivigo. Um, there you go. Look at me. Uh, trivia night. That's crazy. Did you, I was did, never on that show, thankfully. <laughs> when, you were, when you were a kid listening to hip-hop, who did you love? Who were your real influences? I mean, you know... Eric B and Rakim and Run yeah. DMC, Beastie yeah. Boys, uh, and uh, all, you know all all that. Like I mentioned before, Biggie and Lil Kim and um, De La Soul. I mean, I I got to work with Prince Paul. Mm. That was just like, oh my god, I was dying. You know, <laughs> and and like you mentioned, I got to work with Grandmaster Flash, also dying like shaking you know <laughs> so i mean like yeah I, I came up on all that and i was in new york city and and then you know it, it was kind of a fun time too because there was that real backpack like i mentioned like i did like that backpack hip-hop scene like i did like it for a while and it was it was fun you know it was like fat beats and like raucous records and and all that like that was amazing and and you know and they they really did like support me and stuff so yeah you mentioned de la soul what a huge loss to the hip-hop world right last month when dave passed away i mean that it yeah. hit me hard and i was like because i love de la soul like that's my shit growing up um yeah. did you did you have a personal relationship with him uh no just prince paul i just got to work with you know paul okay yeah yeah but Still, I mean, when you see talent like that taken so early, it just kills you, right? It just yeah, it's fucking so kills sad. you. And it feels like it I happens know. so often within the hip-hop community. Yeah, yeah, it's so sad. Yeah. Reminds you how precious life is. Oh, right? ain't that the fucking truth? You got to protect life. You got to protect the kids. You got to protect the business. You got to protect them. They're the future. So don't be less letting them dance around singing the lyrics to Bad Babysitter. <laughs> that's right <laughs> and make I sure that we lock right. up our kelly for life that's how we protect the kids <laughs> well uh, it's funny in just... my song 
Oh, can I just tell you this real quick? Yeah. In my song, in my song, Getting Older, um, yeah. I say, I say, um, now I'm safe from R. Kelly, you know, because I'm older. <laughs> Ain't that the truth, right? Um, yeah. uh, producer Joe uh, had thrown up on the screen our, uh, our, there it is, our QR code to our PayPal. If anyone out there wants to drop us a couple bucks, feel free and support us and let us keep doing what we're doing. Um, hey, let me ask you. Um, when you're sitting and not writing music, what are you binging? What are you watching on TV? What gets your attention? Um, oh my God. Okay. You don't want to know. I don't even want to give this airtime. It's like a guilty pleasure. It's this show. It's it. so bad. It's called, it's called married at first sight. <laughs> you know, oh, it's one of those person <laughs> because Donnie's a reality show fucking idiot too. Right. Yeah. I kind of. <laughs> I really? kind of like it. I kind of like some of that shit. But it's uh, funny. Like, I don't watch the Kardashians or anything like that. I really like, I like Married at First Sight. Um, but no, uh, what did I, oh, I was watching, oh, You is pretty good, but it's very violent. Oh, great show. I'm sitting here waiting yeah. for the second part of season four. Yeah, me too. Me too. Waiting. I'm like, oh, girl, we're going to, I'm going to, I'm going to be messaging you going, what the fuck? What's I know. going on? <laughs> totally okay. i don't understand how that show made me root for a stalker murderer <laughs> i know i know well see that's pretty brilliant writing right like if you yeah good writing <laughs> estrogen levels believable i mean it's it's kind of like when i sit here and i think how am i friends with tid like he's a deplorable human being and yet it's it's true it's true. I have this. I have this. Um, I have this ability. It has something to do with Donnie's estrogen levels. That's really what it is. Oh, well, what do you hey watch, now. Ted? What do you watch? Um. Well, mostly Just fighting UFC I, I, all the time. I wish. I'm a man. Uh, as you can see, Donnie got a sexual. He's gonna. He's gonna <laughs> pretend he's doing voice stuff now. That's good. That's good. Oh my God. Uh, I watch a lot of sports. I also watch a lot of, um, uh, what did I recently watch? Oh, I watch a lot of comedy stuff. I watch a ton of stand-up stuff. Oh you know yeah. That's I mean? fun. So that's fun. I, 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 I mean, cause I like comedy and I do a show, another podcast where we involve ourselves with MMA and stuff. So, I mean, yeah, nice. of course I watch all of those things. Um, and, and more super I'm, high, I'm, really fucked up. I got good shit. <laughs> Which one of those buttons that makes you funny? <laughs> I, I love that. I need that in my setup. Hilarious. I'll, I'll let you know what you need. Um, listen, yeah. it's been so much fun hanging out with you, Princess Superstar. I tell you, um, there's not a lot of times, you know, Tid and I, over the last 25 years, we've interviewed hundreds and hundreds of people. Um, there's not a lot of times when I have that little schoolboy moment where I'm like, oh, fuck, I was such a huge fan of yours. And this is dope for me because Aww. I really used to bump your shit on repeat, like from first track to last track, the way we did it back in the day, right? You yeah. didn't just listen to one song. It's mm -hmm. like, you, you put it on play and you let the shit run and then it looped. Like, <laughs> that's what we did. That's you know? it. Um, oh but my this, gosh. Is a, this is a thrill for me. So I appreciate you taking the time out. Uh, if people want to get in touch with you, find you on socials or what have you, find out what you're up to. Where do they go? Yeah, just um, hit me up on um, TikTok, The Real Princess Superstar, or Instagram at Princess Superstar. And yeah, just find me there. I, I like social media. So come, come see me. <laughs> you have fun on your TikTok. I'll tell you that. Yeah. I'm having fun. You, I kind of just got like on there. <laughs> I you only like just got around. on. I do. I do. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Well, you guys are so fun. So great to be here. And thank you. Thank you. Are fun. you in New York, by the way? I didn't even ask. Are you still in New York? Oh, no. I moved like four years ago to L.A. Oh, you're in L.A. Okay. Yeah. Look at mm -hmm. you. Yeah. What's that, Tid? I already knew oh. that. <laughs> Okay. He knew. He yeah, did his sorry. research. Yeah, <laughs> kids on season five of you. He's the stalker. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I, 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 absolutely. 
Oh, thanks, guys. See you soon. Next. Oh, <laughs> we just cut her off mid mid goodbye. <laughs> there she goes, Princess Superstar. Check her out. We'll have all all her socials at Octid. Any last thoughts before we say good night? No, uh, I'm I'm back. So we're gonna be doing a string of these things from now on. Um, so yeah, I'm not going on vacation anytime soon. Uh, number one, I, uh, I can't afford it. So hit that, uh, QR code, <laughs> send us some money. Uh, and if you're uh craft soup or something like that, right. Uh, get in touch. So thanks to all the guys, uh, that are there helping us put this thing together. That's Ted. I'm Donnie. We'll see you next time. Excuse me, please. Fuck this shit. I'm out. Nope. Fuck this shit, I'm out. All right then. I don't know what the fuck just happened, but I don't really care. I'ma get the fuck up out of here. Fuck this shit, I'm out.